G'day everyone, this week on Garden Guy Dale K's Big Backyard, we take a little dive into No Mo May. Is it good or is it bad? Plus, I road test Toro's EV Smart Garden lineup. All this plus your gardening questions coming up on Garden Guy Dale K's Big Backyard. Say, right out of the gate, I would like to apologize to regular listeners. I did not drop a podcast this past week. I actually got uh, a hair bit under the weather, got a little bit wee bit sick. And the day that I usually tape um, or record the this podcast, I could hardly uh, get out of bed. So I do apologize. I know it's lovely spring weather. Uh, I apologize for not being with you. I missed you just as much as you miss me. So, uh, But we are back. I'm back. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, email me a gardening question. Super easy to do. Dale K Garden Guy on Instagram. So let's get into today's show. And the first thing I want to cover, actually, we'll go over a few things. Um, I have a, I have a update on my visit to the Toro Corporation a few podcasts ago. I promised I would circle back on that. So I have that for you. But the first thing I want to uh, cover is uh, No Mo May. And I guess um, No Mo May captured the public's attention over the past few years. I'm not really sure where it started, but it definitely got a lot of press, especially locally here in the uh, the, the, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Municipalities were... Uh, jumping on board and also promoting uh, No Mo May. And if you haven't heard that term, it's essentially um, the practice of, and No Mo May really would be applicable to cool season grasses in the upper Midwest here. It's it's the practice of not mowing your lawn for a whole month in the, in the belief or the hope that we're creating habitat and protecting pollinators or early pollinators. So the, the theory goes that you don't mow your grass and then all those beneficial insects and pollinators get to get to forage and uh, hang out in safety in the long blades of grass. So this has been going on for a couple of years, but here in, in Minnesota, the University of Minnesota has put out a statement that, that basically says in essence that... Um, it's really not that efficient or um, it's really not that good for your turf grasses to do that. So there's been a little bit of backpedaling on, on No Mo May. And I always thought that it was a little, it was a little perplexing in, in the fact that even if you were to go a month without mowing your lawn, at some point you still take your lawnmower out and basically shred all, all that foliage and basically any any beneficial insects or insects in general that are that are harbored up in the in your turf grasses basically get shredded up with the with that first or second mowing anyway so it was really almost just prolonging the the inevitable anyway so uh, i always thought that was a, i thought, always thought it was somewhat of a novel idea um obviously with the best intentions but i always got a little confused that eventually you have to mow your lawn and the the same the the inevitable I guess happens. So um, I think I think a a better way to approach pollinators and uh, I, I I am a firm believer that uh, not uh, rooting around in your garden beds and um, uh, and so forth 
uh, mulching and all that kind of thing. If you can wait as long as you can for that, there's a lot of beneficial insects that harbor up over the winter in, in the garden beds. Um, for the lawn, I, I'm in more in favor if you feel inclined uh, to either eliminate some of your lawn and turn that into pollinator habitat. And that's super easy to do with some with perennials. You can even buy, um, I know JRK brand seed has a honeybee mix that you can seed in certain areas that, um, or you can just go out and buy white clover and seed that in some areas of your of your yard. Um, even overseed your lawn with it if that if if that's the case. Um, so th there's different ways to go about. Um, protecting or making your your own backyard a little bit more environmentally sound for pollinators but on the on the turf front um, with our cool season grasses they naturally have two flushes of growth in a given year and that one of those is in, in the early summer and then also in the early fall so you really don't want to um, create an environment for your turf grasses where uh, they start to stretch out and and become weaker because there's so much top growth. So it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a double-edged sword as far as um as, as far as leaving your your turf grasses you know 12 to 8 inch tall. It creates a lot of practical challenges. Uh, you know even mowing that down too. Um, oftentimes your mower gets you know stuck and all sorts of things. So. As far you know, as far as I can tell, here in the in in the Twin Cities area, uh, people might be changing their perception or their view on on no more. I like I said, I always thought it was a little bit of a fad. If I'm wrong, or you, you think I'm wrong, you think the University of Minnesota's wrong, um, uh, get, drop me a drop me a note on Instagram, DLK Garden Guy. So uh, the weather definitely turned here in in the in the Twin Cities, um, the 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 life, just the rebirth of of spring and spring vibes, absolutely um, absolutely amazing right now. I was out walking around in the boulevards and crab apples just about to crack, just really cracking, right, uh, about to burst into bloom. And there's nothing better than all that fragrance of of crab apples. And and in this area, it really is the staple. Um, spring flowering tree is is crab apples. So when those are getting ready to crack open, and I was actually peering up through the up through the foliage, and we have a crystal blue sky today here in the Twin Cities, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that is just so so pretty. Just a, a beautiful crystal blue Minnesota sky, and these crab apples just just cracking to cracking to bloom. So everything's in full swing. I was at my favorite local garden shop earlier this week as well, kind of in between today and when I started to feel feel better. And there is no better barometer. If you if you want to know how people are feeling about either a long cold winter or the promise of spring and spring vibes, there's no better barometer than going to your favorite local garden shop and just uh getting caught up in all that uh, excitement of of spring planting. There's, there's literally a frenzy of planting going on here. So really good to see. And, uh, you know, of course, we all get the benefit of being out in the garden. Uh, it's healthy. It's great exercise. Uh, it's a great pastime. Doesn't get you in a lot of trouble. There's a lot better ways to spend your money. Uh, sorry, there's not too many other better ways to spend your money. There's a lot more worse ways is what I meant to say. Maybe I'm still sick. There's a lot worse ways to spend your money, your hard-earned money, 
than on beautifying your own deck patio backyard. So it's all good. Spring is all good. It, it, it's, it's great. Okay, I wanted to also touch a little bit on... Um, God, we're still on lawns, I guess. We talked about Nomo, and now we'll talk about um, Toro. And a little while ago, one of the very first questions we had on, on the show here was about robotic mowers. And I thought to myself, well, I kind of know a guy at Toro Corporation. And Toro's uh, that company that has the bright red mowers, and they have all sorts of power equipment. And they just happen to be based here in in Bloomington, which is kind of just south of Minneapolis. Their corporate headquarters, their worldwide head corporate, uh, headquarters is here. And I, I, I know a guy there, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to reach out to Brandon at Toro and get the skinny on these robotic mowers. And he was just like, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about robotic mowers. Why don't you stop out when the grass is, you know, the grass is green and we can demo them for you and have you take a peek at them. So I said, that sounds great. Thanks, Brandon. And I was, you know, it's been years and years since I've talked to him. I was actually kind of surprised he's still there, but I'm still, I'm still doing what I do. He's still doing what he loves. And so I was out there yesterday and they have a great little trial area where they have golf course greens and uh, big stretches of lawn where they do a lot of trialing of, 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 of all their new equipment. So we demoed or we test ran their robotic mower and they have uh, quite the system. It's a little bit different than the ones that just kind of aimlessly bump around, and, you know, bump into something, spin it in a different direction and and keep mowing. Um, this one is, it, it's kind of pretty much the, the Toro mower. And I'm I'm not paid by Toro. There, there is, at this point, there is no sponsorship of this podcast. So even though I've said Toro like 10 times already, I'm not getting paid by Toro. So take this for what it is. It's not, this is not a paid spot, but, um, their, their, um, robotic mower is, it's always ready. But what I like about it is it maps your yard. So it has this camera system on it. And what you do is you basically walk it like a dog essentially, and you walk it around your yard and it learns when you, it's like training a dog It with you, it learns your backyard or your space or whatever. Um, so it, once you've mapped out your yard with the machine, it, it's on its own and it does its own thing. So it, it literally maps your yard with, with cameras and sensors and all that kind of good stuff. The great thing is it's all programmable from your, from your smartphone. So you can schedule it around yourself, uh, around your, your schedule, right? So you can obviously doing the mowing when you're not home, you can do it at night. Um, when you're not enjoying your backyard, all those, all those sorts of things. So um, it has great connectivity. Um, it's, it has a fully interchangeable battery. Uh, it's, it's electric. Um, but the great thing is um, the power packs that they put into all their, um, their EV lineup, it's all fully interchangeable. So you can basically go through, I think they have 75 different tools that, you know, from snowblowers to power trimmers to lawnmowers, yada, yada, yada. And all these batteries are interchangeable. So you can go through your, your through the whole season or through different chores in your yard all on the same battery, which is which is really, really, uh, I thought that was kind of an ingenious kind of thing. But I'm, you know, I'm not that smart when it comes to technology, but I thought that was really good. Um, it was great to see um, how quick and easy that process was. Um, the question came up, um, from a listener was, you know, how big of a yard does this do? 
and can it go up hills and and that sort of thing well at Toro at their at their their trial um, lawn it's quite there's some quite hilly areas and this thing just goes up and up and down these hills really really easily and I was talking to um, Emily and Brandon there at Toro and they said that this um, this robotic mower can cover about an acre of lawn on the battery charge so that's not to say that you couldn't do more than an acre um, you would just need to change the battery. But I thought to myself, an acre, that's a pretty big lawn. And if that thing can go around and map, you know, maps itself around there, mows the grass and does all that over an acre, I think that's that's probably about as good as robotic mowers that, that I've seen out on the market. The other really thing, really quick, um, while I, actually two things um, that I thought were really good. They have a new mower, it's called Striper, and it, it runs on this same battery pack. But if you, you know, if you're watching a baseball game and uh, there's all those beautiful stripes, you know, those wide stripes or crisscross stripes, this, uh, this mower has patented technology where it will create those beautiful stripes in your lawn. So if you're one of those people, one of those homeowners that just loves their lawn and just loves putting stripes and things, uh, check out the new Toro mower. It's called Striper. I think they're taking pre-orders for it. I'm not sure if it's released yet. I think I was privy to some pretty new um, products that they were launching. So uh, I don't think it's out yet, but go online. I think you can pre-order here shortly for the Striper. Um, and that was another really cool thing. And the other thing that I thought that occurred to me that that hadn't really occurred to me is how quiet these mowers are. So, you know, if you got the you know, there's nothing worse than sitting out on your patio and at six o'clock at night, maybe you're enjoying your first cocktail and then the neighbor starts up the mower and you're like, oh my gosh, my piece is just shattered. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just had one of these like quiet lawnmowers? I thought that to myself. And the other thing really quick, they have a, they have a statue, a metal statue of their Toro bull and it's all made out of recycled um, mower blades. Really cool. I'll see if I can get that, um, get that linked to this podcast. All right. Um, that was my trip out to, and my recap of the, uh, of the Toro robotic, robotic mower. Yes, it goes up hills, quite steep hills, covers about an acre, nuts and bolts. All right. Time for some questions from, uh, from, uh, from you. And the first one is what's a great starter plant, um, for flowers for somebody that doesn't have a green thumb. So, you know, when you think of, um, when you think of flowers and uh, firstly sensibility, um, proven flower power, easy to grow, vigorous, likes the sun, can handle a little bit of shade, it really starts to uh, cause uh, or pause for thought about really what, you know, if I could sum this up in one plant, what what would it be? And um after thinking about this question for a little while, because, you know, you could, you know, somebody like me or, you know, if you're into plants, you could rattle off 20 off the top of your head, right? Um, but if you were to, to kind of boil it down to just one, one group of plants, what, what would that be? And for me, after giving it some pause and some thought, I thought about vegetative petunias or um, supertunias, I think uh, is what they, the name they go under. And uh, the reason I picked that plant for this question is all those things. They're, they're easy to grow. They don't need a lot of maintenance. They're self-cleaning. 
the flowers just drop right off. They they keep re, they keep uh, blooming all summer long. Um, a, a color palette that is truly amazing. So that no matter what color plant, from like a black velvety color all the way through to stripes to to um, just some great fantastic plant breeding of, of colors. It really covers the palette to the staples like the reds, the blues, the white. The the super junior is probably one of my go to plants. Uh, even for me, and if you're new to gardening or you don't have a green thumb, I, I, I'm almost 100% sure as long as you employ some, some good watering practices, employ some good potting soil and some fertilizer, there's really nothing that vegetative petunias or super petunias will not and cannot do for you. So that's, that's my go-to plant for somebody that doesn't have a green thumb. Uh, vegetative or super petunias um, are absolutely fabulous. If you're in a shady spot, uh, the caveat... I guess my plant there is Sun Patience, uh, readily available at garden shops. You'll usually find them in a six-pack. But Sun Patience um, is another great plant, uh, easy, low maintenance, low maintenance, and that would be for a shadier spot. All right, the next question is, when is the best time to prune roses? And actually, kind of a, a relatively simple um, question, but maybe needs a little bit more detail, and um, I, don't, I don't disagree with um, having lots of detail. Um, a couple of things you'll need probably getting in and around roses. Firstly, you'll need uh, a good pair of gloves, good pair of um, a good set of bypass pruners. I use Falco; they're Swiss made. You use what you use. Uh, kitchen shears, as long as they're sharp, you do you. But if you want a great uh, pruner, Falco pruner is the one that I use. And some long sleeves, <laughs> rooting around in roses. Uh, if you've done that before. Um, you, you you know the drill there. In zones three and four up my way, um, May is the best time to to prune roses. Um, early May or before the before the even the new growth comes out or just starts to bud out. Um, if you're in zones five, six, seven, March, April, zone eight, February, March, zone nine, you're in winter. And um, if you're any warmer than that, God bless you. Um, I wish I was with you in those winter months. All right, so the first things you wanted, some some eight simple basic uh, rose pruning steps. Firstly, um, you know, r remove all the, the dead wood. Oftentimes you get some dieback, and that's the black wood that's different than the brown wood that's still dormant. That's that, it's a very dark black color. You want to uh, uh, remove all that dead wood. Um, uh, you can open up the center of the plant with some pruning. Uh, that'll help um, with some... Uh, air circulation. Uh, you don't want branches rubbing together that causes uh, damage and it can also uh, promote some uh, some disease. But the goal is to have upward upward and outward reaching branching that's in an open vase, vase shape structure. That's what roses like. But I think, you know, once you get all that heavy foliage in there, just some good air circulation is good. Uh, get rid of, remove anything that's thin or weak growth. Um, that's nothing, nothing's good for you. Remove anything that's coming up from any kind of rootstock too. Uh, that generally doesn't prune, uh, prune that well. You can remove the remaining canes, you know, cutting them back down, you know, a quarter to a half. Um, and always prune to an outward-facing bud. That way, you know, there's inward-facing buds back in towards the center of the bush, and then there's outward-facing buds towards the out. You want to prune back to an outward-facing bud. That way you, you'll maintain that um, or help promote that vase shape that, that roses really um, look, you know, they look the best when they're vase-shaped. Um, make sure you're using um, good, good quality uh, pruners. I mentioned that. But what I wanted to mention is make sure they're nice and clean too. 
um, and clean up your you know clean up your pruners after you've done um, done all that pruning. But essentially, spring um, you want to make sure all those canes are nice and healthy before the blooms start to set. Um, so you can actually really enjoy your roses. And don't forget, most importantly, don't don't forget, don't forget, roses are heavy feeders. Um, they're big eaters. They're hungry. Um, so they need proper nutrition. So a good um, slow-release fertilizer, something that feeds all season long, is is really, really beneficial. All right, that was rose pruning tips. Um, and I guess the last thing we've got to cover before we say goodbye is my favorite plant of the week. And as I was laying sick in my bed, uh, thinking, woe is me, because I, quite honestly, I'm the tip, I am a typical male. I turn into a puddle when I get sick. I'm about as useful as, well, I'm useless when I'm sick. So as I was there just feeling woe is me, thinking about um, missing all of you, I thought to myself, what is my favorite plant of the week? What have I missed to tell you? And what made me happy, what brought me back to my happy place is this little beauty. It's hibiscus rosa sinensis. That's a bush, that's a basically bush hibiscus. The variety Fiesta it is absolutely a little ripper. Um, it looks a little bit like it has these beautiful orangey yellow petals and in the center changes colors into a Hawaiian sunset. Or if you like all those tropical drinks that have like little umbrellas in them, it looks like one of those too. But it's an absolutely stunning flower. Makes a great patio plant, patio container. Uh, pop it in a nice glazed pot. Um, and you can, you will, you can, you will enjoy summer and all those summer vibes with um, the bush hibiscus. Ask for Fiesta. All right, that's it for this week's podcast. Um, it was certainly a pleasure being with you. This, of course, is a production of Big Backyard Media with my good friend Chip Elmquist at the Engineering Home. Thanks for joining me. I've truly enjoyed it. It's great to be back. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, again, easy to do, Dale K. Garden Guy on Instagram. And, of course, we'll see you again next week. Have a great week, everyone.